Ever get stuck building out a setting? You might have a rough idea of what you want to make, but are missing some direction in your next steps. How do you get over the hump on creating detailed locations? Let's talk about Ascope Pumisi. Welcome to the Worldcraft Club podcast, a podcast for writers, dungeon masters, and other people who want to create rich, immersive worlds that will bring their audiences back time and time again. I'm James, your host, and in today's episode, we are going to dive into a really useful tool, Ascope Pamisi. This is a pair of acronyms that when used together can be extremely effective for organizing elements of your setting, particularly locations like cities, towns, or regions. In order to break down this tool, I've called in the big guns. How's it going? I'm John, AKA Steel Stash. I am one of the co-founders of the Black Dragon Dungeon Company and the host of Lonely TTRPG, the solo actual play and review podcast. And he's gonna be the one that breaks down really how this works. I want you to note though, before we begin that we had a pretty long conversation that I'm gonna break up into two separate episodes. Partly because the amount of content in each one is worth some meditation. There's a lot of gold here, and I think it's worth your time to pause in the middle and consider this tool and its various elements. Today, we're gonna to be talking a little bit about Pamisi Ascope, which is a acronym that the military uses in order to help define an operational area, but also has great world building potential to it. One thing that I've noticed with a lot of world building prompts and world building questions and things like that is they're very focused on, hey, here's this small idea, and how far out can you extrapolate with it? Yeah. But Pamisi Ascope helps provide a systematic top-down look at an area, a region, what have you, in order to get a general understanding of how it all works. And then if you actually build a Pamisi Ascope document for your world, it also acts as a quick reference sheet that you can use for various things so it's basically it's it looks like it's a grid essentially that you've got set up that gives you it, it is a way of thinking about specifically a, a military operation usually but has it has broad implications so what we've got so far is that this is a sharpening tool whereas many world building tools are built around the ideas and extrapolating them with prompts Ascope Pamisi rather helps you dig deeper into something more specific. It also has a pretty pointed application. It's not good for every element of your setting, but I'll let Stash explain further. I wouldn't necessarily recommend using it for the world. I would use it just like at the largest, a country, mm. you know, and like some type of unified country as well. Not like I wouldn't use it for like example, Germany in the... 16, 1700s when it was just yeah. where it was a country, but it was a consolidate or it was really just a collective of a whole bunch of, of princely states. Yeah. Before diving too much into how to use it, we do have to talk a little bit about what this acronym, what this initialism means. Hmm. And like you said, it is a grid. You can use it as a grid. You can also use it as a word document and bullet points. So you can use it either or it all depends on what your preference is. The first aspect that you want to look at is you're looking at a scope. 
All right. And A-scope stands for areas, structures, capabilities, organizations, people, and events. Hmm. And you're going to be providing answers to A-scope for every aspect of PAMISI. And PAMISI stands for political, military, economic, social, information, and infrastructure. Hmm. Now, I've attempted many times to create content for breaking down Pamisi A-Scope. So I do have some examples over, over on my TikTok. I do have a couple. I did, I did go through at least the political and military. And I think a little bit on the economic using one of my homebrew cities, the city of Nightside mm. in one of my worlds and general overview city of Nightside. It rests right on the border of a geographic area that is in perpetual twilight. And in this, in this area where it is perpetually twilight, there are a lot of creatures who don't get along well with typical urban areas and typical Mm. what we would, what we would call civilization. I hesitate to use that word just because of the connotations with it, but for lack of a better term. So Nightside is a very Nightside is a very militaristic city. It's more of a it's more of a fortified stronghold than a than what you would think of as a traditional city. But mm. even with stuff like that, all of this stuff applies. So when you're using it, when you're using Pomisi Ascope, you want to define you want to start out with one of your Pomisi topics. All right. You can go in any order that you want, whatever is uh, whatever is most comfortable for you. Gotcha. So for like Nightside being more militaristic, I would start out with military. Mm. And then you look at A-scope for that. All right. So the first thing you need to define for the military are the areas. And we're talking about the areas in which your military is operating. So physical areas. Yes. Physical. We're talking physical areas. Where do they operate? Where do they have influence? And where are they interested? in. All right. And all of these things could be different, you know? So for example, if you have a small kingdom and just outside the kingdom's border is a mine, but that mine produces a rare element that is necessary for the kingdom's economy, that mine is now an area of interest for the kingdom Yeah. versus area of influence being where can they, where can they project influence yeah. out and then where they're operating is the actual physical area that they're operating. Yeah. So for example, the Nightside military, their area of operations is usually within a two to three day march of the city. Mm-hmm. All right. So we're talking, we're talking 60 to 90 miles outside of the city just because of things like supply lines and everything like that. And it would also include any major forts that they would have set up. So if you had a, so if there was a major crossroads that needed to be defended and a fort was established there, that would also be included. Slight correction. I know I keep saying city of Nightside in this particular world, in this particular world, these cities have larger geographic areas that they lay claim to. It's more like a city state. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. 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 I, I just realized as I was talking about like, you know, it's, establishing it's, forts and whatnot, like 
So when I'm say when I say city of Nightside, I really mean city state, the city state of Nightside. Yeah, kind of like um, an inter independently governed sort. Well, at least quasi like independent sort of location that sort of projects power over a broader area. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. They sounds good. Like the the city states are projecting power over the over the rural areas and the smaller towns, and they're they're projecting their power and influence, and but they may or may not have like some type of permanent presence there. Mm. But with your areas, that's what you are clearly, you are clearly defining the areas that you have that permanent presence at, and you're defining those areas that you have that influence over. So again, the Nightside military has influence over a 90 mile radius from Nightside yeah. because you know, they can march there in three days. It is not a huge impact on their supply lines or anything like that. Yeah. Structures, moving on to structures in A-Scope, you're talking about the actual buildings of power, the actual, the actual buildings, the actual infrastructure, that sort of thing. So for, a, for the military, it would be where are the barracks located at? Where are the training grounds located at? Where are the headquarters for the various branches located at? Yeah, yeah. Where is the headquarters for the Lord Marshal, who is overall in charge of everything located at? Yeah. All right. And then, you know, what what do these structures do and what are they capable of? And how do these structures work within the work within the local populace? So and how recognizable are they? Yeah. Uh, so a minor example from the novella that I wrote. It's basic, the novella, basic premise, Roman Empire was able to go into space and start colonize. They, they achieved political hegemony over the earth. They were able to start colonizing other planets all because of a mysterious resource called oraculum that they got. It, it allows their wooden ships to fly and go into space and produce breathable atmosphere and all of that stuff. Um, you had me at Space Romans. That sounds <laughs> rad. Sorry, carry on. The book is called Rose Nexus. It's on Amazon, Kindle Unlimited. So free if, the show uh, notes. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. But because you know, just like the Roman, like just like the actual Roman Empire didn't care too much about local customs changing and, or local customs mm -hmm. maintaining their local traditions and architecture and everything like that. They just, mm -hmm. they wanted control of the region. The Romulan Empire very similar. The only difference is, is the government structure. You can always tell a government structure because it's always a very utilitarian square-shaped marble building. Yeah. So, so you've got a couple of things on here. I, I, I think it's interesting as well, because like you're bringing a little bit of your, of your, like, obviously this has its origins in the military. So you're bringing your military mindset to this. And I think it's fascinating because like I, you're using terms like capabilities, right? And I'd love for you to like expand on that. Because when I think of a building, what I think it's capable of doing is keeping water off my head. <laughs> so, you know, you know what I mean? Like, can, can you expand on that a little bit? Because I think that's really interesting, especially in a military capacity when you're building a militaristic location. So please, yeah, if you could expand on that, I'd love to yeah. hear it. So when we say, when I'm saying capabilities or limitations with this type of stuff, especially in regards to like buildings or organizations or people, it's what they are actually able to do. So for example, a government office, yeah, the capabilities of that government office should be to process paperwork and maintain an archive. Gotcha. 
Yeah. Um, the capabilities of, you know, and how many people you can do that for a day. So like what your throughput is. So a barracks is capable yeah. of housing X number of soldiers. Yeah. So a right. barracks, okay. a barracks is capable of housing 60 soldiers. Yeah. But if you only have one barracks then you're also limited to 60 soldiers. Yeah. Unless you start, unless you start using stuff like tents or quartering on the local, uh, quartering them on the local economy, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. But you know, you can only house sixty soldiers in that barracks. A training ground, a training ground can be used by one company at a time, one military yeah. unit at a time. But if that military unit is, or but it can also train, you know, 30, 30 new cavalry troops every six months. Yeah. If the cavalry was using it specifically for training for those six months. So that one training, that one training ground can either maintain the current proficiency of your cavalry, or it can make 30 new calf troopers Yeah, in a six month time period, you know, so depending, you know, and the world building ramifications for that are depending on your seasons and how your seasons shake out and everything like that. You know, they may use this as dual purpose, you know, so for the, for the spring and summer, mm. you know, your traditional campaign seasons, they are using this to train new calf troopers Yeah, because your companies are out doing their actual job. Yeah. But, you know, during fall and winter, as it starts to get colder, as snow starts to make things harder to travel as passes start to close up, if you're in a particularly mountainous area, yeah, then you swap and you don't train anybody new over the winter, but you use your training grounds to maintain the proficiency of your calf troopers, your cavalry troopers, so that you maintain a high level of proficiency in them and they are more yeah. capable with their jobs. The that is what I mean when I say a structure yeah. has a capability or a limitation. That's rad. I, I think that's interesting. And and like I, one thing I really like that you've done here is you've started off with military as opposed to starting off with political because of the purpose of the location that you're looking at. I think one, one thing that I'm always interested in is with these world building tools, I think a lot of folks would be tempted to start this thing off and go, I must begin with political military. You can, you know, they'd want to go through the list. They'd want to go through the Pamisi. And so like, it's interesting, you know, if you have a trading hub, you may start with economic because yeah. that may be what leads the purpose of that location. Yeah. That's fascinating. And, and we, we, we always joke, like, especially in the server, we always joke about Star Wars and their single biome locations. <laughs> and yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying create single, like single utility locations. All right. Oh, sure. I'm not, yeah, I'm not yeah, saying yeah. that Nightside is solely a military town. All yeah. they focus on is military. But it because, might be a good place to start. Yeah. Right. But like, that yeah. is their primary that is their primary function. Yeah. So start out with their primary function. And then as you're filling out the rest of this, everything else is being built with that primary function in mind. So for example, about a four days ride to the northeast are the twin cities of Memphat and Angfar. These cities house the artificial universities. They house the wizards colleges. So a lot of people, like anybody who's interested in magic and magic creation, that's where they, like, that's where you go to consolidate all that information. They are at the forefront of all of that. So if I was building them, 
I would start out with economic because yeah, unless you were act like because really your artificers they're making trade goods. Your yeah. wizards are your That's wizards, your magic users are making trade goods. Even even their skills used in a more combat way is still well, a trade they're, good. They're exporting consultants, basically, yeah. like, yeah. and yeah, services. They're sending out service. That's, that's fascinating. I, I yeah, I, I think that's incredibly useful as a first, like, tool tip for this, is don't feel constrained by the order. It's just, like, create create it in the order you want. And I think it's it's neat that you can then, you, you want to follow up with the rest. Like, you would want to, if you want to create a very full location and ensure that all the boxes are checked. But I also sense that with some of this, You've got these two locations that you you would want quite detailed knowledge of. Cities are notoriously difficult in TTRPGs, even in books, because cities cities are like people. They have like a character. They've got like a personality, and you kind of need to write that. And it's tricky. But you could even take a far less complex location, like say a small town or something like that. A stash says you can start wherever you want with this, depending on the general focus of a given area that you're writing. There's no need to feel constrained. For the enterprising dungeon master or game master, you know, our TTRPG players, what if you took a small adventure module and then used Asco Pamisi to develop some of the zones a little more? Say you have a town or a dungeon that feels a little flat to you. You've gone through the dungeon and gone, well, there's just a bunch of bad guys here. There's not really a plan. And instead took the Pamisi element, targeted military, and started writing down the A-scope format for it. Started to consider the structures, capabilities, the political elements of the setting, and then expanded upon that. I think you'd find really quickly that your locations become far more deep and interesting. And it also makes it a little bit your own. For those of us who play through modules and sometimes they get a little bit tired on repetition, this could be a really interesting way to expand it and flesh out that content. Now we've rightly discussed how Pamisi can be reorganized depending on your focus. Ascope is similar, but we do have one small caution from Stash about the use of Ascope and changing it around as needed. You can do Ascope in whatever order that you want, with the exception that I would always start out with area. Yeah. You always want to have that understanding of what you're actually like, where you are actually talking about, because otherwise it becomes too easy to mention, like, especially when you're talking about a city, it becomes too easy to default to like this neighborhood in the West for one aspect and then start talking about the neighborhood in the East for the other aspect. And like, they're not, you end up giving a false look on your city because you're not talking about how either of those interact with each other. Again, absolutely go as detailed or as sparse with information as you want, depending on your style of play or what yeah. you're trying to do. For Mine is as detailed as it is, partly because I'm familiar and comfortable with the system and partly because mm. I have a lot of plans for this particular world. Yeah. You know, I have a lot of plans for this particular world out that extend far beyond my home game. So yeah. this understand like having that more detailed understanding works great for me as an author and as a game designer because mm -hmm. it's easier for me to seed in seed in foreshadowing or 
plot points or things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, re returning to uh, returning. Yeah, to yeah. Ace I was about Go to say, by all means, yeah, we yeah. can, we can, we can keep diving in. We, we're up to. I think we've done a little bit on structures. I don't know if you had more on that, but then capabilities. Yeah. Right? So, so next. we're on cap. We're on capabilities, and this is your mm -hmm. like this is your capability of what that force can actually like what that element can actually do. All right. Yeah. So we're not just talking about how many people a building can hold, but like what that force can actually do like your military capabilities you're looking at you know do they use combined arms tactics or do they use like individual or are they like type pure for example do do they have infantry being supported by cavalry or do they only use infantry troops yeah um, that could also be level of sophistication right yeah. like what sort of like discipline and like arrangements that they have if they're sort of a rabble in some ways just anybody who can find weapons and arms is picking them up for example for a military thing or if they're organized into units and actually like there's rigid discipline and command structure could be a yeah. question as well yeah. does that, are, does that, does that yeah. fit? no exactly are they are, you know, yeah. are you using mass levy or mass conscripts or do you have have yeah. a standing professional force Huge. you know can can this how far out can they go before you run into supply issues how far out can they go before you run into other issues like desertion or uh yeah morale mor <laughs> like yeah, morale yeah are they desertion. sticking around um, yeah you know if you have you know if you have a large cavalry component but you're going into very mountainous terrain with very small passes and trails uh, they're not going to be as effective in that, you know, they don't have the capability of doing that, but that large cavalry allows them to dominate on the Western Plains. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah that yeah. sort of thing. That's uh, interesting. You know, but if you're looking at some of the other aspects, like again, military, very easy to, very easy to describe, but yeah, if you're looking yeah. at like political capabilities, you know, you're looking at things like how do you resolve disputes? How, how is justice being handled? How are Spycraft. Uh, yeah, spycraft, negotiations, political capital. When you're looking at economic, it, you're looking at things like banking access, what level of economic development they're at. Are they, yeah, are they yeah. a barter system? Are they a capitalist system? Are they a, a socialist Guilds, system? That sort of thing. Yeah. You know, social capabilities are going to be things like are How? they highly religious people? Like, yes. like, you'll get that fanaticism and that devotion that could really change the way the whole city is flavored. Exactly. Are they highly religious? Are Do they put a value on the individual or the group? Do they yeah. put a value yeah. on social interaction? How um, do they solve disputes? Do individuals feel empowered or do they feel like they need to get consensus before they do things? Yeah. You know, like you look, huge. you look at the difference between like real worlds, you look at the difference between the American view of, so, of social interaction with like the Italian view. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah, the yeah, Italian yeah. social capabilities are very, hey, we're all, you know, there's a lot of we're all in this together. We all get, we all get together and we all have drinks together and we all have conversations yeah. together. And family is a huge thing versus the American view is the rugged individual, you know, yeah. it's just you and your family. And family yeah. is your immediate family. You know, that's yeah, nuclear. Yeah. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. Your information capabilities. We're yeah. looking at literacy, media. Yeah. How is how is media being portrayed? How is media being distributed? How is news and information being distributed? How uh, quickly does it get around? Yeah. How quickly does it get around? Do you yeah. do you have a do you have a Pony Express or are you waiting for that merchant who comes once every three months? Yeah. 
you know, if your only major information capability is that merchant coming every three months, that is a huge ability for misinformation, disinformation, lack yeah. of information for that community yeah. because when are they going to find stuff out? Yeah. What are they going to, and how accurate is it going to be? Right. Exactly. Cause you're, you're going to get whatever that merchant was interested in talking about. And if the merchant's smart on the way they're getting there, they're thinking about how best they can monetize or utilize that. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, they're going to arrive there and they're just going to just, yeah, and that that's fascinating and not often. Yeah. All right. Sorry. This is really neat. Cause it gets you thinking about so much stuff about what could yeah sorry carry on i'm interviewing you yeah no it's it's fine it's fine this it's neat you you haven't had an opportunity to talk about fairy cake a lot recently and <laughs> this is this is just a smorgasbord of fairy cakes yeah 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 yeah. you know and then in your last your last cape or your last capability would be your infrastructure capability yeah. so you know how do you maintain roads how well can you maintain roads how well can you maintain plumbing how well can you maintain aqueducts, water transport, food transport, all those, all those things that we don't think about in, you know, because we go to the grocery store or we turn on the tap. Somebody Dude. is doing that. So what capabilities does that society have to do that? hundred percent. It's like, it's like, it's, it's military's live or die by their logistics. What is it? They say an army marches on its stomach. Yeah. And like, I, it's, we, we forget about that stuff because in, in certainly in a Western context, we're very well provisioned. And so we don't anticipate lack and infrastructure. It's like losing power, things like that. Like we don't consider those things often except when it goes away. So I think it was, what was it? Ben Franklin said, we know well the value of water when the well is dry and it's logistics and that, that kind of road maintenance stuff is just that's that's fascinating, and you you can collapse an entire civilization on the background of them just not being able to replicate concrete well, you know, like yeah. or something like that. Not a good mix. Yeah, yeah. no, I fascinating. mean, I mean, look look at how effective Roman concrete was because of their uh, and what that did for their infrastructure, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. they use they use quicklime, and whenever quicklime gets wet, it recures, which is why yeah. their concrete lasts is still around, and we have stuff that lasts twenty or thirty years. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But because the military loves its acronyms, the other acronym or the other initialism that we yeah. use for infrastructure is sweat MS. Sweat right? MS. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So sweat MS is sewage, water, electricity, or energy, depending on depending That's on what level of your technology. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, academics, trash, medical, and safety. Hmm. You know. So. What level of infrastructure do you have for all of that and how are you able to maintain it? And what capabilities does that provide? Because, you know, when everybody has water and sewage in their home, then you don't have to worry about things like public bathhouses or going to the well or, but yeah, if everybody's that, using that a- saves, yeah. sorry, that saves so many person hours. Yeah. Like doing that. If you don't have to walk to the well to get your water, that's, you know, several hours of your day like that are that are saved and and that's so so like an interesting thing as well is the crossover with sweat ms so like L london during like the great stink they, they had this huge issue where they had poisoned all of their wells but they didn't have the medical knowledge to fully understand why everyone was getting cholera and they realized it was fouled water but the solution wasn't necessarily a medical one it was an infrastructure-based sewage treatment model so what well, well Treatment's a strong word. <laughs> Sewage redirection model. And they they built London sewers and they built them so freaking big 
that they were able to like secure London's growth for like another hundred years or something. So they over-designed the sewers to, well, some would say adequately designed the sewers <laughs> so they wouldn't have to go back through it. But it's, it's interesting to me how sweat MS, like that gets murky. You know what I mean? It's easy yeah. to imagine that problems are only solvable down any one given one, one of those trajectories. But sometimes you get a, a medical problem that's actually an infrastructure problem. Yeah. You know, and it's, it, sorry, that's just... That, that if, if there's a bingo card that my kids are going to call on me every day, it's going to be that kind of thing. But you were onto another point. Yeah. <laughs> I'll let you do and, it. And part of, part of the reason why the military would be so interested in stuff like this is, yes. A, if you can disable those levels of infrastructure, you mm -hmm. can very quickly compromise a location. Yeah. B, especially in, especially in recent history, the United mm. States Army spends a lot of time trying to fix what it broke. Um, at yeah. least, at least fifty percent of my time in Iraq has been spent trying, or has been spent paying local contractors to help reestablish these these levels of infrastructure. Yeah. So and doing assessments to see what type of infrastructure projects that we can help push for. Yeah. Uh, because we don't want locals being sick and we want to and when you provide infrastructure projects you give people jobs which helps jumpstart the local economy which helps jumpstart all the other stuff that grows with all of that you know it's the reason why during the great depression the federal government was like cool let's hire all the out-of-work people and have them do infrastructure projects yeah yeah because a huge element. it helps the society as a whole and you know it helps the economy as a whole so that does it for the first thrilling part of this two-part interview. I'm going to sum up some stuff here and play us out. I started grabbing at the mic toward the end there because I was getting too excited to shut up. Pamisi A-Scope does something incredibly valuable in that it causes you to interrogate your setting along very practical questions. It provides a rubric of prompts that you can use to build out your setting. I think as world builders, we love this kind of stuff. The minutia of a setting, the unsung heroes of history, the stuff that goes on on spreadsheets that no one wants to look at. This tool provides an incredibly useful framework to explore this sort of content and expand your setting. Now, the one caution I would have here is that I think you can do too much of this. Because while a spreadsheet might be exciting to you or me, it's not likely to thrill your readers or adventurers in your party. By all means, live your best life. Make what you want to make, but be cognizant of its utility as you make it and be careful in how you present these innovations in your story. The thing I love about this tool is that it puts you in the position of answering meaningful questions. And I emphasize the term meaningful because that's the critical part. When we're doing world building, we'll often get wrapped up in details. Kitchen sink world building, if you like. Ascope Pamisi straddles that line a little and provides us with a bit of the best of both worlds by refining that detailed focus into useful, meaningful questions. A little detail can go a long way. Now let's break down some key takeaways for this episode. One, this tool is just that, a tool. Don't get wrapped up trying to answer everything, but allow the different parts of the acronym to prompt you and guide you closer to fleshing out your setting. Tools are defined by their utility. This isn't a rule you need to follow. Think of it like lifting weights. You want it to challenge you, but not overload you. Two, 
When using Pamisi, first stop and consider what the most important parts of the setting are and start there. In Stash's example, his city-state was a primarily militaristic one, so he began with military. You don't need to start right there. In fact, you can mix and match this acronym to your needs, though Stash does recommend starting with area with the A scope section of this project. It's a really good starting point because it determines geographical limits to get you started. Three, you can use this tool to help you build out locations that are pre-established using modules or other tools to make it your own and enhance the richness of the area. Four, we've linked some worksheets and tools in the show notes for you to make use of when you start working on this. Keep an eye out for the next episode where we'll break down the other half of this model, finishing out the OPE part of A-Scope. And finally, if you want to find Steel Stash, you can dig him up at his website, www.blackdragondungeoncompany.com or on Twitter at bddc underscore pod. You can find him also on bddcpod with no underscore on Tumblr. You can hit him up on email at blackdragondungeoncompany at gmail.com. Stash also has an itch.io and drive-thru-rpg page if you want to check out some of the RPG products he's been developing. He also hosts a podcast featuring single-player TTRPGs called Lonely TTRPG. You can find it on YouTube as well, as well as his book, Rose Nexus, which is available on Kindle. And lastly, lastly, I think it might be time for us to try something we've never done before. I think I'm going to give you some homework. Take an element of your setting, some part of your world, and break it down using the Ascope Pamisi model. And then join us on the server, link provided in the show notes, to talk about it. Post it in the literally just world building chat. We'd love to see what you're making and how you're expanding it. For Steel Stash, I'm James. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Worldcraft Club podcast.